Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending June 4th, 2022. This week, we try to make sense of all these crazy numbers. Spoiler, we can't. I'm Kim Hollis, surrounded by boxes. Also with me are Tim Bridey, writer and gamer, holding out for more money. Something, something, pipe bomb, MJF, Tony Khan, AEW, WWE, something, something money. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Didn't you hate the pipe bomb and CM Punk for a decade? Why are you doing this now? (laughs) I I didn't say I approve of it. Just trying to be, you know, topical to, you know, the three people who would get that joke, two of which are on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out why Kim is hiding in a box fort. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds pretty fun actually also david mumpower published author media analyst and missing the boys for this they are superheroes who could be dying right now and they're not because of this <laughs> podcast and the podcast is produced and edited by raul buriel who's working on his beach bod arby's is conspiring against me fitting into my bikini did you know they've got burgers now? Wagyu burgers. Mm-hmm. How about that? But they don't have potato cakes anymore, so screw them. That's right. Right? <laughs> this week in our rapid fire, we're trying to make sense of a big week for movies and TV. While Tom Cruise's Top Gun Maverick was skyrocketing up the box office charts, Disney and Netflix were both crowing about the spectacular premieres of their shows. Yeah, so the thing about what we're doing when we discuss any sort of viewing numbers is we're the blind leading the blind. I I don't know how to say it other than that. Netflix has specifically stated a couple of things, and I know that before the podcast, they were driving us all crazy. We do know one fact. We can state that Stranger Things on its first three days had 286.8 million hours of viewers. And Kim, we were among them, and we were very, very happy, weren't we? Yes, we were. And we didn't even get to watch it as fast as we wanted to. Might have been better that we watched it a little slower than we wanted to, just because it builds. But yeah, we were definitely thrilled with Stranger Things. But then we start getting into the numbers and the records and whatnot. And then this just becomes a podcast full of asterisks because what they actually said was it was the best English language performance for a television series to date, not not movie and specifically English language. And the two comparisons they made, one was Bridgerton, which was 193 million hours, which, you know, 93.8 million hours fewer and Money Heist, which was 202 million hours. But Raul, what's the problem with including Money Heist in that? But Money Heist is in Spanish. I don't know what they're doing. I give up. It's frustrating. And that's not the most annoying we're about to be right now, because Kim, what's the (laughs) other story that's a record breaker, allegedly? Samba TV is saying that the Friday premiere of the Star Wars series Obi-Wan Kenobi was the biggest premiere yet for any Disney Plus original series. I don't know what to believe anymore. But I don't believe these numbers. They're all made up. I mean, the closest we have to actual real numbers are the ones that come out of Netflix themselves. And can we necessarily trust them? I mean, they're the ones who are serving up the viewership. So they're the ones who would know. But we have to have faith that they're not fibbing in some way, shape or form. So 286.8 million hours watched for Stranger Things in the period of, I believe, it was three days is 
incredible if it's true. The numbers for Obi-Wan Kenobi are much more suspect because Samba doesn't meter everyone all the time everywhere and does not give us day over day, week over week, month over month numbers. So it's really hard to draw any kind of conclusion. So they simply come out with a press release and say, biggest Disney Plus original series ever. So Disney Plus original series. We're hedging everything. I'm frustrated. And even the metrics don't align because Samba TV measures by households, not minutes, not hours, households. So what we know is that 2.5 million households watch something that it used Samba TV to track your viewer habits. 2.5 million people did that compared to 2.08 million for The Mandalorian Season 2 premiere and 1.5 million for The Book of Boba Fett's premiere. And just in case you're curious for a more recent metric, because obviously Disney Plus viewership has expanded dramatically since then, we had a 1.6 million number for Moon Knight. So it looks like Obi-Wan Kenobi is at least 900,000 households more popular on its opening weekend. What does that mean? I don't know. Does anyone here know? <laughs> no, we have we have no idea. You know, you were making fun of HBO Max for saying, you know, how successful Peacemaker was. It was the most, you know, successful original show starring, you know, a professional wrestler on a streaming service or something like this. this is just trying to get headlines. Because yes, these shows are popular. When we get these ratings numbers in a month, Stranger Things is going to do a ridiculous number. Obi Wan Kenobi will be on the list, not competing with Stranger Things because it was the entire season. Apparently, each episode of Stranger Things was like an hour and a half long or something like that, or ridiculously long. Someone was. Planning, like each one felt like a movie while Obi-Wan Kenobi released just you know two episodes so it's it's not going to be comparable in that on that chart but I, I guess this was just a really good holiday weekend because people watch Stranger Things they watched Obi-Wan Kenobi and they all went to see Top Gun Maverick <laughs> so if you left the house it was only go to the movie theater but yes. since Tim mentioned it I'll go ahead and bring this up I did a quick check Samba TV listed Peacemaker for 468,000 households, which means at a minimum, Obi-Wan Kenobi is five times as popular as John Cena, which is like the worst popularity I'll, contest I I'll can physically yeah. imagine. All right. <laughs> but that's where we're at with this. We don't have apples to apples comparisons on anything. We're just every bit of this. I mean, more than anything else, I'm really annoyed that a data service actually listed Money Heist as an English language comparison. What? Do you know what Money Heist is? <laughs> well, this this goes back to how Nielsen was rating Squid Game, and then they started splitting those ratings between original Korean language and mm -hmm. English language. Come on, guys, give us some actual data we could work with. But yeah, just, just to toss some kindling on the fire, David, you alluded to this in the intro. The Boys premiered the following weekend, the following Friday. So it is like streaming is just exploding in the period of about seven days. But what's, what's unusual, I think, is that last Friday where we had these two massive premieres head to head. And Tim, we, you and I were speculating as to like, why is it that Disney Plus chose to premiere a show on a Friday when they traditionally premiere them on Wednesdays. Yeah, we, we had noticed that and I couldn't tell whether it was because they wanted to take advantage of either the holiday weekend or they wanted to somehow, quote, compete with Stranger Things. I'm leaning more towards the holiday, but I do think 
Stranger Things did affect this decision because now the episodes, the rest of the episodes are going to premiere on Wednesday. It's just a mishmash of all kinds of different things happening with no real sense or logic to any of it. And all we can do is speculate on just how much people are actually watching, just why decisions were made. Why are Stranger Things episodes as long as they are? People get frustrated with the show because it's got filler all the time. And, and I hear that about this season as well, while people are raving about how great it is, they also get frustrated about like, oh, these episodes are so long and there's all this filler they can cut out. Yeah, because people are going to watch it. And if you make each episode three hours long, people are still going to watch it. The larger story to me about the whole thing reinforces something we used to discuss with box office, which is that if there are multiple quality products in the marketplace, people will support each one. There is no such thing as competition in the way that people perceive it. This is the equivalent of three major openings on Memorial Day weekend. And Tim, what happened with each of the three? They all did fantastic. Fantastic might be underselling what Top Gun Maverick did, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, records. That was a record record breaking box office weekend, which we which we predicted was going to happen uh, last week, just off the, the the Thursday number. But yeah, this uh, Stranger Things is gonna is gonna do do some numbers, and I wouldn't be surprised if Disney does eventually come out and say Obi Wan Kenobi was their most successful series, because that's. I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, Raul brought up the point. The only other Star Wars related thing that could move that needle would be a Luke Skywalker show. So this is the name that you you were going to have the biggest uh, reaction for for a Star Wars show. Absolutely. At this point, short of Luke Skywalker, what is there left for them to revisit from the original trilogy? Do we do a Han Solo and Chewbacca series? Given the reaction to Solo, the movie, I don't know that that really works. And so here, here we are with the last vestige of the original trilogy coming to Disney Plus. From here on in, everything else is building on the lore that came out of Star Wars, Clone Wars, and Rebels. And in fact, one of the upcoming series is actually going to be taking place hundreds or even thousands of years in the past in what they call the High Republic. They're they're running out of uh, material to mine. I mean, I joked that they're going to do the Yoda origin series, but I guess they just named that the Mandalorian, didn't they? (laughs) Interviews with insiders at Netflix have indicated that budget cuts mean bigger movies and fewer movies and better movies. Oh, better movies. Okay. Guess it was okay to make crap movies before? Ben Falcone's gonna have to find a new job. I don't think anyone ooh. looked the and you'll, ooh, yeah. I don't I don't think anyone at Nielsen looked at the ratings for this week for the movies. <laughs> yeah. We'll, no, I, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> They said that they're not going to be making as many vanity projects like the Irishman and just randomly throwing money at filmmakers and just, you know, I guess what, crossing their fingers and hoping that they produce something good. That's a hysterical assertion in and of itself, because there was an entire award season where they were thumping out their chest going, look, we have people like Martin Scorsese, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro willing to work with us. And now that it's become expedient to do so, they're going, oh, we're not going to do that sort of film anymore because it costs too much money. Well, hey, what was another movie they spent a lot of money on? Didn't it have like Ryan Reynolds and Gil Godot? Did that one do okay? Seemed like that one did. 
it pretty well. That's right. They can't be pointing at these vanity projects and saying, we're going to have to make less of those and then also say, oh, and we're not going to make as many bad movies. They said throughout the whole season that, oh, The Irishman is going to be the best movie of the year. These vanity projects are quality. They just don't necessarily bring in the audience that they want. I think what they're trying to allude to here is that they're going to make more crowd-pleasing content, but that does not necessarily translate into quality. The movie you meant, you alluded to, David, Red Notice, not a great movie. Not by any standard, but it's got three of the biggest action stars in the world in it and people watched it. So this is like one of those scenarios where you you could only have two. So is it going to be a bigger movie? Is it going to be fewer movies or is it going to be better movies? But you can't have all three. And the lesson is, if you're going to try and tell Wall Street what it wants to hear, you're going to tie yourself out because everything Wall Street wants flies in the face of the other things Wall Street wants. There is no pleasing chaos. So there's no point in feeding chaos. The last holdout to the Paramount Plus Star Trek Collective has fallen as Deep Space Nine will be leaving Netflix for Paramount Plus at the end of June. The biggest surprise is that it's taken this long. Deep Space Nine has been a popular series amongst Star Trek fans as they watched it on Netflix and in fact has uh, built itself quite a cult following. It is the best Star Trek, legitimately. Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. Um <laughs> Yeah, the the only surprise here is that it's taken this long. I think maybe Paramount realized that it was as much of a crowd pleaser as it was, but eventually they were going to consolidate all their Star Trek content on the Star Trek network featuring The Good Wife. Or is it The Good Fight? It's The Good Fight these days, isn't it? And that meant that Deep Space Nine would eventually have to leave Netflix and come to Paramount+. Plus. Are the fans going to follow it there is the same question that streamers have been asking themselves for the longest time. I don't know that Paramount+. Plus has necessarily made a case for that yet, but it does demonstrate the weakness of Netflix's position that more and more of this fan-pleasing content is leaving their platform, and eventually all they're going to have left is their original content, which goes right back to what we were just talking about. They're needing to make movies in order to be able to keep their subscribers up, but at the same time, they don't want to be spending so much money creating original content. So they have to find this middle ground where we're going to make content so that you stay a subscriber, but the content isn't going to be as high quality as it was before because we can't spend as much money as we used to. That's a hell of a catch-22 to be in. And in regional sports news, NESN has decided they can get into the streaming business on their own. The cable service that carries the Boston Red Sox and Boston Bruins thinks people will pay $30 a month for streaming. So this was an interesting story because it kind of showed a new philosophy that we haven't seen yet. And that is we've got a place that is going to stream its exclusive programming, which is really just the two sports, baseball and hockey, to its most diehard fans. And in exchange for that, what it's going to say is we know what tickets cost to Bruins games and Red Sox games. Instead of you're paying for a single ticket, you can have the entire thing for $30 a month. And we have absolutely eviscerated 
Sinclair for a similar business model wherein they were going to charge $24 or $25 a month for all of the broadcasting they have of the local RSNs of the various sports channels. Now, they obviously don't have all the licensing rights for that stuff, which is a problem, but we have said $25 a month is too much. And I absolutely believe that is the case. However, NESN is doing something slightly different. It is basically saying we're talking about a team that has won multiple world championships in the 21st century. We know how much you love this team. We think you will pay $30 a month so that you don't have to have cable, but you can watch every game. And Kim, you know how I feel about my Atlanta sports teams and you know how much it drives me crazy that we cannot watch Braves and Cardinals games live. Would we pay $30 a month? (laughs) I'd like to say we wouldn't, but I'm not really 100% sure. We love our teams and you do have multiple Atlanta teams that you like. If all the Atlanta teams, and I, I mean the Falcons and the Hawks and the Braves, were included in a package, that would be all right, probably, I guess. I mean, we don't pay anything for MLB. It's included with our phone plan, but we sure don't get much for what we have with that. Because yeah, you have the unfortunate luck of being considered in those markets, so you don't get to Correct. watch those games, We're, and that's terrible. Yes. We're always in the Atlanta market, and for some reason, they sometimes consider us in the St. Louis market, even though St. Louis is eight hours away. <laughs> So what I think is we wouldn't pay $30 a month. However, if we lived in Atlanta, I know this is a strange way to look at this. I think I would be more willing to do so because there would be times where I know that we could go to the game, but I wouldn't feel like paying for parking and I wouldn't feel like fighting the crowds and whatnot. And I would just think, screw it, let's just watch it at home. And so I think that this is much better as a specifically localized thing than I do as the idea that Sinclair has been trying to throw out. But maybe that is just me being delusional and playing a game of semantics. I thought it was interesting. My opinion on this changed from what I I've said historically about Sinclair when I thought about one team in one market. And I think the same would apply to the Yes Network. Tim, I mean, with Yankees fans, they'd probably pay $30 a month just for the Yankees, don't you think? Yeah, Yankees fans absolutely would. Yeah, that's just like one hot dog, right? Yankee Stadium? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, I think the fact that this is regional, this is specific to the Northeast. You can't subscribe to this unless you are in the region for NESN, the cable network. That presumably means no blackouts, which is going to be weird. The fact that the purpose of a blackout is to get people to come to the games, but I guess they figured that there's we have that critical mass of people coming to the game, so we don't need to worry about that. Where I think this is really going to hurt is not NESN, but maybe Sinclair. I think it's going to give them unreasonable expectations. I mean, I know Boston Bruins fans and a Boston Bruins fan and his money is soon parted. They will spend money to watch their Bruins. I don't know that all the sports that are covered Covered by Sinclair have that same kind of fan base. And when Sinclair looks at NESN and says, oh, $30 a month and look how many subscribers they got. And let's be frank, it's probably going to be in the hundreds of thousands and no more than that. Sinclair is going to try to extrapolate and say, well, we have this many fans in these many different regions. We can get those subscribers as well. And it's like, no, they are not the same caliber of fan as a Red Sox or Bruins fan. To compare them would be a fallacy. So Sinclair 
trying to base their model on what NESN is going to do would be disastrous for them. If Sinclair thinks they can get away with $30 a month, they're going to suffer mightily for that. It is an interesting story, though, in that when it goes from all the teams to two specific teams, we start looking at it in a slightly different light. And that reason alone, it's the first time I've thought, well, maybe I at least see a sliver of a fraction of their philosophy here. Okay, so we alluded to it earlier, but before we actually go into the ratings, why don't we talk about Top Gun Maverick? We talked about it last week, just based on the all you have is the, the Thursday number, and the Memorial Day weekend record was, you know, surprisingly not not a huge number. But we said this this num this is going to definitely set the record. And what were we thinking? Like maybe like one one thirty one 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 forty or so. Uh, yeah, Top Gun Maverick. So it came in with 126 million uh, just for the three days. When you add in Memorial Day, 160.5 million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that's remarkable about it is like literally every estimate that came in got a little bit higher, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what happened with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And it is a sign of resounding quality and a likely hint at Lex. Yeah, um, there is. I don't believe there's actually a wide new wide release this weekend, which is weird uh so yeah you're still gonna get people coming out to see top gun maverick it's already over 200 million it's gonna do i mean it's, it's gonna drop obviously but you know what it's headed possibly headed to another weekend maybe like 60 70 million at least we're in a situation right now where dr strange and the multiverse of madness just became the number one film in north america for this year it's at 379.5 million Yep. Top Gun Maverick is already at 205. We'll probably be at 305 after this weekend, which means that 10 to 12 days from now, 14 days at most, it's going to become the number one film in North America, which I don't think anybody had that much belief in during the middle of the pandemic when we were like, boy, they need to sell this and, you know, make the money they can while they can. I know Kim and I were talking about this the other day. Kim, we're deeply impressed with how they handled this entire thing, aren't they? They did it the best of anybody. They really did. They protected it. Clearly, they knew that they had a fantastic movie here. They wanted to save it for audiences to see in the theater something people could really get excited about. And it is, you know, along with maybe Spider-Man, like that really cultural moment, I think, for a lot of us. I will say this. I heard a lot of people say on Monday that they had a great 80s nostalgia weekend between that and Stranger Things. It yeah, was well the, the, the number one movie is Top Gun. The, the number one song on iTunes is a Kate Bush song from 1986. Yes. What, what, what year is it? It's what the happened? best year, apparently. Yes, apparently everyone wanted to relive the, the 80s. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Jeez. I know. All right, so ratings? Yeah, so let's we, move into them. Uh, so we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, May 2nd to Sunday, May 8th, 2022. Your most watched show is, of course, Ozark, the first full week of availability for the final seven episodes, which arrived April 29th, 3.3 billion minutes watched. So that's not the 4 billion we saw when the first half of the season premiered, but I think that was to be expected when they when they do this split, because when you have that much longer gap between the, the seasons, people watch the older episodes to you know reacquaint themselves with the series. We're watching new ones. Here, they only had to wait a couple of months for the second half. So I probably would have guessed 3 billion, you know, around this number based on that the number we saw last week for the three, just the three day premiere. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised it didn't, didn't match that, that 4 billion number. And the other thing to keep in mind is there's also math involved. You've got 
you know, three, four, six fewer episodes. Mm -hmm. So that's less time you're viewing an entire half season, most season, whatever you want to call it. Right. And Kim, you had a different theory on what's holding it back, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. I actually heard some people who, and I don't watch the show, but I heard some of the people who watched the first half of the season not necessarily feeling super satisfied with how they felt like it was resolving. So it's possible that they're either waiting to watch or maybe they had some people fall off. So I think there's something to that. In second is Grace and Frankie, also the first full week of availability for its final 12 episodes, 880 million minutes for 95 episodes total. That's pretty solid, actually. That's one of the quietest streaming hits of our generation, isn't it? I mean, just since we've yeah. had streaming, people don't realize how popular Grace and Frankie has become. And like, you know, in the old days, if there were syndication of this, it would clean the f*** up. I mean, it really would. Yeah, this is a certified hit. I do think given how Nielsen tracks these things, the numbers are probably skewed to somewhat older audiences, which obviously a show like Grace and Frankie is going to appeal to. Uh, you know, There's less second screen viewing of this show, I would imagine. Uh, but no, this is definitely uh, a hit and lasted yeah, five seasons, a lot of episodes. I mean, I'm now kind of envisioning a future where, you know, at some point it gets licensed by Netflix to a service like, let's say, Pluto TV or something like that. Or just, you know, if you put it on television, you pair it with Hot in Cleveland and everybody watches it. <laughs> I mean, it it serves a purpose. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it, but this definitely strikes me as a type of show that if you just threw it on a, on a network, it'd be a hit. You'd obviously have to clean up some stuff, but, you know, we're becoming more tolerant <laughs> society about that stuff anyway. So, yeah. you know, adapt or perish syndicated channels. <laughs> uh, in third, here's Moon Knight. It's six episode season now complete, 715 million minutes. Uh, that's up slightly and pretty close to the pattern we've seen with the Disney Plus series. They grow over the first couple episodes, they plateau towards the end, and then you get that slight bump rather than that huge bump we're waiting for uh, once the final episode hits, and then it's probably just going to slide down the chart over the rest of the months. But I, I think it, it fits the pattern we've seen with the other Disney shows. All right, so 1.6 million households on Samba apparently means 715 million minutes. Great. Now, can any of those 1.6 million households explain to me what happens on this show? <laughs> <laughs> These uh, Marvel shows are all one-offs, right? They're not like, we're not going to see a second season necessarily of, of something like this or... or oh, even, I think know. there is a 99.9% .9 chance we get a Moon Knight season two. And the only 0.01 I'm factoring in is if the world ends. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe Oscar Isaac has indicated that it was a one-off, but of course, when they back up the dump truck full of money, people change their <laughs> minds. He's not made of stone, people. Uh, Loki's getting a second season, and, okay. if we, and if we do talk about animated, there is, of course, a second season of What If coming up. Yeah, that that, that, that doesn't really count. No. That, that, that didn't do as well as, as the, other, the other ones. Yeah, I mean, they're already, I, I can tell you right now, they're already talking about whether or not Ethan Hawke will return in season two. It is a slam dunk. He was, Oscar Isaac was only contractually obligated through these episodes, but they set up for a season two and there's going to be a season two and it probably won't make any sense either. <laughs> Outer Range climbs to fourth as the final two episodes of its eight-episode season were released on May 6th, 425 million minutes watched. Uh, that's a slight bump from where we've seen it. Again, showing that releasing the final episodes probably brought in some folks who you know waited for the whole thing to end and, and then just went ahead and, and binged it. Uh, some stuff we've seen before in 5th, Selling Sunset, 360 million minutes for 45 episodes. Bulls, 
hit the game show, 345 million minutes for, for 10 episodes. Uh, new this week in seventh is Meltdown, Three Mile Island, 325 million minutes for the four-episode docuseries that premiered on May 4th. Uh, Bridgerton still here in eighth, 287 million minutes. In ninth, The Circle is back and will probably be here most of the month. The first four episodes of its fourth season premiered on May 4th. They released four episodes over each of the next two weeks, followed by a finale episode on 25th. So we're probably going to see it here for a few weeks, just like we did last August when we got the third season. And something new wraps up Originals this week as Amazon gets two shows on the list as The Wilds takes 10th in 262 million minutes. The eight episode second season dropped on May 6th. The first season was actually December 2020. And yeah, the important thing here is this is one of the shows that they did the entire batch of episodes, which means 262 million minutes is okay. It's obviously good that it ranks, but it's, it's good not, for Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. It's not dazzling. It's good enough. Yeah. We always uh, we keep saying it whenever time we talk about the non Netflix shows, we tend to grade those on, on a curve here. So that fact that it's here, it's pretty good. We, that was also just a three day number. So we might actually see it again next week, getting, getting a bump. And again, Amazon can't make up their mind, whether they release things, you know, one episode a week, two episodes a week, the whole season at once. Uh, there's no consistency to what they, what they do here. it's very strange. I'd love to know their, their reasonings behind, behind what they decide to do with each show. Okay, so over movies, uh, buckle up for this one, folks. Uh, while it's once again led by Encanto with uh, 449 million minutes, uh, we have something new and exciting that just arrived on Netflix in second place, and that is U.S. Marshals. <laughs> yes, the 1998 movie starring Tommy Lee Jones and Wesley Snipes. 354 did you do the sequel? The, yes, That's, the Fugitive sequel. The right, Fugitive sequel, yes. Let's do Fugitive with a black guy, yes. What? <laughs> And, oh, it gets it gets weirder. It gets weirder. Trust me. You know, well, meanwhile, Turning Red is down to third, 340 million minutes. And I'm actually pretty happy that the staying power of this is showing. I think I say that almost yeah, every week at this point. Great. That's that's definitely a bigger hit than, than Luca was. And that was on this list forever. That's right. I also want to throw in, I think it has impacted the way that Disney is looking at some stuff. Because we talked about when Eternals took so long getting to Disney Plus, by the time it got to Disney Plus, the word of mouth was so negative, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is actually going to debut on Disney Plus in three weeks, which oh, wow. means they're going to put it on the service pretty much the day they can, which is a stark contrast. And I fully believe that the performances of Encanto and Turning Red are playing a huge factor in that. I do. I think that is one way that they are going to guarantee that they keep up solid subscription numbers throughout the summer is they're going to say, look, and when the Marvel movies like this and Thor come out, you know that within 45 days, you'll get to watch them on the service. They wouldn't do that unless Encanto and turning red it absolutely torn it up right yeah I, I was about to say that's what just un, that's under two months for dr strange in theaters right yeah i think that like it's I, i'm not looking at the calendar right now but i think it's like day 47 it's it's oh, pretty wow. much the first time they can okay we will cover this in our what's new podcast that comes out later in the week but there's a number of theatrical movies that are hitting streaming on that 45 day mark the streamers have clearly come to realize that that 45 day window and immediately premiering their uh, their movie onto the streaming service seems to be the way to get those subscriber numbers to grow. That's the hybrid model we've been projecting for a while, really since the start of the pandemic. And we're only now starting to see the widespread adoption of it. And I honestly believe that Eternals bombing the way it did played a factor in how they're viewing this. I do. That and just how ridiculous Encanto was and how well Turning Red did as well, I think. Yeah, that absolutely influenced their their decision. I mean, Tim, you know, when we when we did box office all those years, there are like six or eight films that like even now when we look back on them, they just don't make any sense. I mean, there's the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> 
there was, you know, my big fat Greek wedding. Encanto is that for a new medium. It really is because it is just one or two, one or two every week. Kids are just never pressing stop on this thing. Yeah, with with a with with a solid number too. Like this, this is a number that most weeks in 2021 would definitely have been the number the number one film by a huge margin. Even you know we we were joking that it was over a billion for like months, and but even now with you know under half that, it's still amazing. And didn't even like flop in the box office. It played for a month and almost made a hundred million. And then just, I'm just astounded. They put it on Disney plus and it just took off like unbelievably. This was a Thanksgiving release. And if you said, okay, a Thanksgiving release is number one on streaming in June, the perception would be, okay, so it came out in June. June. Not it came out in December. It came out out on Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) And still here. (laughs) Sorry, parents. That's a lot of not talking about Bruno. We just lose our minds about Encanto. It's as simple as that. Yes, because it's still here. Six months later. What the heck? I mean, and it's still half a billion minutes too it's not like it's hanging down at the bottom of the top 10 it's right it's It's been watched more than any almost almost every week this year it's been watched more than any other movie on netflix okay let's get weird because new and fourth (laughs) is the gentleman 305 million minutes this is a 2019 guy Ritchie movie (laughs) one that i like but yeah sure okay Yeah. yeah so here in fifth uh, Rambo, Last Blood. Uh, I, I, I don't know. 2019 movie. I forgot this existed. I remember that there was a reboot. I forgot that he made a sequel. <laughs> yeah. That's the Rambo movie after the Rambo movie that came way, way, way too late. That's what's yes. amazing about this one. Yes, the, the 2008 one is is, uh, is not on this list, but uh, it, it's it also came back to, to Netflix. It was 224 million minutes for, for Rambo, by the way. Uh, six, Kung Fu Panda 3. That was actually here last week, 215 million minutes. Seventh, Forrest Gump. Sure, why not? 177 million minutes. Uh, in eighth and beginning of the month of Tom Cruise, uh, War of the Worlds from 2005, 170 million minutes. I definitely expect to see the original Top Gun on this list before the end of the month. As we talk about this right now, Top Gun is the number one movie streaming on Netflix. I, oh, I mean, look out in Kanto. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I actually saw the TV actually sent out a press release about how Top Gun had done on Netflix because there's so much renewed interest. But just reviewing what you've said so far, out of the top eight, we have had U.S. Marshals, The Gentleman, which at least makes some sense, Rambo Last Blood, which would never make any sense, Kung Fu Panda 3, and Forrest Gump and War of the Worlds. So is there any connective tissue between these titles i'm missing tim uh well i have to add in one more because in ninth is den of thieves 169 million minutes that's also a 2018 uh heist movie starring gerard butler 50 cent for some some reason yeah uh so what what these movies have in common why they're here u.s marshals the gentleman rambo last blood forrest gump war of the worlds and den of thieves is they all return to netflix on may 1st oh for the love of god seriously that's that's the common thread connecting these movies. Yes. And so it is such a bad week for for movies. I guess they they must their algorithm must just promote them, even though they're not new movies. But because they're new to Netflix, they must say here, 
watch this. Or if you click that whole, you know, just watch something thing, it must give you one of these movies. Cause this is, this is ridiculous. This is the probably the dumbest week we've had in movies. And we've had a lot of dumb weeks. That speaks to this dichotomy over at Netflix, where clearly these second run movies are doing well for them. Why make original movies at all? When all of these movies are doing so much better than any original content they're, they're creating, right. but then again, they don't get to keep these movies. So, so long as there is a constant stream of additional content, Netflix is fine, but all these studios are spinning up their own streaming services. And eventually this stuff will no longer be available to Netflix. So they're a little bit between a rock and a hard place here. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird how they just like these, where, where were these movies before? Because the, I did find, find a, you know, what's, what's coming to, to Netflix. I don't exactly know what, what happened, whether this is, te- whether these movies will disappear in from Netflix in, in two months. It's very weird. They must be looking at this and go, right. Why are we making movies when we can just get all these movies from like the nineties and people will watch them. Right. Where am I supposed to find the Rambo cinematic universe or the yes. Tommy Lee Jones cinematic universe? <laughs> Don't give them ideas. So Moana finishes in 10th place with 146 million minutes. And just when I look at this list, what I read from what you're saying about the Forrest Gumps of the world is if Netflix suddenly licensed and exhibited in Kanto, it would make 4 billion minutes, wouldn't it? Yeah, at least in the Nielsen's, yeah. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Okay. Uh, so in acquired, it is 10 shows we've seen before led by once again, Coco Melon, 701 million minutes for 18 episodes. Mm, nothing much surprising on this list. It's most of the usual mainstays, uh, criminal minds and CIS better call Saul is still here. Grey's Anatomy, supernatural, always happy to see Gilmore girls, fairly odd parents still here. New girl wraps it up. Not, not an exciting week uh, on that list. I do have to say, Tim, the attraction of that new fairly odd parents series the live action one that's on Paramount Plus mm-hmm. and the fact that it is pulling as many viewers as it is onto the original episodes on Netflix is astounding to me. I don't think anyone at Viacom or, or Paramount now could have imagined that that show had as much staying power as it does. Yeah, and I guarantee you it's a thing we've stumbled across before where people are aware that a new Fairly Odd Parents thing exists and their first decision is to go to Netflix and search Fairly Odd Parents. And the new show doesn't come up, but the original one does, so they watch it anyway. And only 38 episodes. Only 38 of the episodes. Yeah, it definitely has more than that, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's minus... Uh, Ozark, it's very much a, a, hold, a holding pattern uh, for for the ratings this week. I'd like to say something exciting is come is coming in the next couple of weeks, but I think it's probably Stranger Things at the end of the month, and that's that's all I can think of. In our green lights and cancellations this week, the easiest renewal of all time was confirmed as Is It Cake will be coming back for a second season. And unfortunately, yay, unfortunately, it looks like Mikey Day will be coming back as well. (laughs) (laughs) Or or is it a Mikey Day cake? (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to renewals, perhaps the best news this week was that Our Flag Means Death Season 2 has been greenlit. I honestly wonder if HBO Max was just waiting for the start of Pride Month to make this announcement. And that's for reasons I will not say. But if you've seen season one, you know. But I really do have to say, yeah. (laughs) Well, now you're going to have to bleep yourself. Uh, Yes, that my Twitter timeline was very excited about this news. (laughs) 
And there's also more news as the Apple TV Plus spy series starring Gary Oldman, Slow Horses, has been renewed for a third and fourth season ahead of the premiere of its second season. And somebody at Apple TV is really excited about this series. I guess I need to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask it. if you guys have watched that. Had watched it. It, it looks not. awesome from the preview. Yeah, I have not, but I've heard good things from people who have. Yeah, it's Gary Oldman, so we're going to find time for it once we get moved into our our new house. Yeah. Also on Apple TV Plus, Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard on Ted Lasso, has confirmed that season three will be the last season for the series. But it'll be ninety episodes. <laughs> 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 we we can only hope but we knew when the show you know came out that they said they had a plan for for three seasons and and done but considering how it's far and away apple tv plus's most successful show we were like well they're gonna make them make more aren't they but uh there was a, an interview going around with Brendan hunt who said yeah no we're, we're done after after three we, we wrap it up with a bow for a seemingly unrelated reason i'm going to read out this rolling stone article from 1982 that says the who have wrapped up their fair Farewell tour at Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens on December 17th, 1982. They'd been touring at a grueling pace over the last three years, and everyone was drained, particularly Pete Townsend. So the band has agreed to walk away for now. 1982, The Who retired. They're still <laughs> touring, okay? Ted Lasso is not done. It will never be done as long as there is a breath in their bodies because people will demand more of it. There have been 75 Friday the 13th movies. You're telling me we think Ted Lasso. So is going to end at three seasons. Ha! <laughs> I'll take some Ted Lasso movies. Oh, yeah. By the way, that's the first time in my life I've ever asked for more soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Over at Disney Plus, it was announced that Star Wars Celebration that the upcoming Star Wars series previously described as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure films of the 80s will be called Star Wars Skeleton Crew and will star Jude Law. Jesus Christ, do not want Jude Law in a Star Wars movie? Who did I piss off? <laughs> well, Star Wars Skeleton Crew is certainly a shorter title than what they had before. And he is a very capable actor now. Can he play a whole group of children? I don't know. On Peacock, in what is par for the course, it was announced back in April that the Seth MacFarlane movie, Ted, will be getting a series on the streamer. Speaking of do not want. (laughs) Even stories about shows on Peacock don't hit our (laughs) podcast until months later. How apropos. If you need a publicist, we're here, okay? We can help with this. It's not hard. Really, if it was their publicist job to promote the fact that there's a TED series coming, I see why they don't have a publicist. Yeah. And as alluded to last week, the Sony video game Twisted Metal will be getting a series on Peacock with AEW Samoa Joe cast to play the demented clown Sweet Tooth and Will Arnett cast as his voice. Oh, my God. Dig up, Peacock. For the love of God, dig up. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm actually confused by this because Samoa Joe has an amazing voice and has actually got recent voice casting work in an upcoming video game. He's going to play King Shark. A lot of people want to play King Shark, but they pick Samoa Joe. So I I don't completely understand why he's not going to do his own voice, but I'm going to actually tell you all something that Kim doesn't even know. Twisted Metal was my jam back in the day. 
I played that every bit as much as I played Madden. And let me tell you, the crazy clown with the ice cream truck, that was the car I picked. <laughs> and that is this character, Sweet Tooth. So I am all about a Twisted Metal TV series, or at least I would be if it wasn't going to be on Peacock. Oh, God, they're going to give this a $7 budget, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and and you still you're still scarred from Halo too, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It legitimately can't be any worse than Halo. That's the truth. Of it. <laughs> Unless they give Sweet Tooth a girlfriend, and he takes off his clown makeup for seventy percent of the show. <laughs> <laughs> And on Paramount Plus, the Fatal Attraction series has found its third as Amanda Peet will be joining Lizzie Kaplan and Joshua Jackson. I'm wondering who plays who in that love triangle, because if I'm Joshua Jackson, I don't cheat on Lizzie Kaplan with Amanda Peet. You and I are very different people, but I will say, instead of watching this, just track down Jack and Jill, which you could probably find full episodes of on YouTube. I don't know if it holds up, but Amanda Peet was so great on that show, wasn't she, Kim? She was. It was, and it was a delightful little show. Maybe Lizzie Kaplan cheats on Joshua Jackson with Amanda Peet. <laughs> and if Maybe she so. doesn't, if she doesn't, I've got a pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Pacey. <laughs> As always, we close out with what kept us busy over the past week. And yes, as mentioned, David and I did watch Stranger Things. We spent, I don't know, four days on it because, yes, the episodes are long. They're all basically short movies or very long episodes. (laughs) But as a child of the 80s, it resonates for me. There's so many little touches that I love. The year is 1986, and the music that they use is legitimately from 1986, or at least of the right era, not like the Goldbergs, which just uses music and it might or might not be from the right year, whatever. So I really enjoy that. The other thing I'm going to say about the show is that a new character has been introduced, and there's nothing spoilerish about it because he's introduced on the very first episode. Eddie Munson, played by Joseph Quinn, is a fantastic new character. I think he is going to really benefit from this role. He's fantastic. I love him. David and I were talking about it. We both were children of the 80s, and we all knew someone like Eddie. I just, I love him. I love the character. I didn't find that they did too much padding or too much filler. I loved every moment of it, so... Watch it. There's also a fantastic cameo involved in this particular season. So definitely worth your while. And I believe Tim is now going to talk about something that David and I also watched. Yeah, we teased it in our intros last week and this week, but it was AEW Double or Nothing, um, marking actually the third year of the the company the that was their first official pay-per-view back in 2019 i'd like to say that obviously it was a good it was a good show of course i'd like to say that aw doesn't waste my time like wwe does but this show was five hours long and that's too much you know there there were obviously great great matches or crowd-pleasing moments like we got to see wardlow finally get his revenge against uh mjf that's how you pay off a long-term story there was a ridiculous uh six-man tag team match with another long-term story payoff in the, in the house of black versus the death triangle there was one excellent women's match uh thunder rosa and uh, serena deeb was was great you know there was a, another three-way tag team match that was that was great 
But I still have some, you know, quibbles with the company. The Hardys need to hang it up. They are far too old and broken to hang with the Young Bucks. People loved that anarchy in the arena match, but that had far too yes, much. Yes, we did. Okay, that was there was it, some of it was 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 amusing, but I I not the biggest fan of blood and you know or or attempted murder <laughs> in my wrestling. Uh, so you know I, I had some problems with it, but people definitely loved it. So I understand it, but it was wasn't my thing. Apparently, the length of the show was was due to Tony Khan not wanting the main event to coincide with the ending of what game seven of the, of, of a basketball game. No, I, I that's not true. Okay. I, okay. That's, that's not true. Okay. That, that's, that seemed like so what it was going it for. Was, it was the Owen Hart Memorial cup and mm. Owen Hart's widow was there. Right. And it was extremely important to Tony Khan that Owen Hart's widow be able to speak for as long as, as she much wanted, as she wanted, okay. rather than that. having an earpiece in and being told, I need you to wrap this up. So he bought an extra hour of pay-per-view programming and then just told her, talk for 45 minutes if you want to. Mm-hmm. And they adjusted on the fly with that. And they added two different matches. And they added the yeah, they added the Kyler Riley Darby Allen match and, and something else. So. so I'll actually defend them to the death on that. That was an incredibly thoughtful gesture on his part. No, no, he's, he's, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. It's obviously an important moment. It was the placement just felt like it ground the show to a halt for a little bit, though. But I'm not one of those people who's going to be like, AEW, everything AEW does is great and everything WWE does is, is terrible. Most of what WWE does is terrible and most of what, AEW does is great, but I will, you know, criticize them where I where I where I see fit. So yeah, I, again, it, overall good show, just way too long. They they shouldn't do that again, but uh, I I understand the reasons why. Yeah, and then you know CM Punk did win the championship, which hey, well, that that was going to happen from the moment he showed up. Uh, is is what it is, and we'll, we'll we'll see where that that goes. But I'm not the biggest fan of that uh, of that decision, but I knew it was going to happen. And folks, if you want to know what Tim's talking about with anarchy in the arena, just Google Eddie Kingston gas can, <laughs> and you'll basically get a five-second YouTube clip that summarizes the chaos of the entire match, and it's amazing. It's like you're watching the end of a horror film. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't real, but I, I, I'm just like, okay, this this man attempted to burn another human being to death on live television, and no, no, thank you. <laughs> but that's only because the other person did it to him first. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, for an eye and a gas can for a gas, gas can. can. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, thanks. But I I get why people people loved it, but not not my not what I wanted in my wrestling. But they they did deliver in, in certain aspects. They did, and I agree with you, Tim. It was too long. It was way too long. But there was a lot of great parts and pieces to the show i always think they put on a great Mm pay-per-view and um you know just really thoroughly enjoyed so many different aspects of it including the fact that cm punk is now the champion although i will admit to being very ambivalent about it because i like the former champion very much as well i did too raul how about you all right, so I'm going to talk about Amphibia on Disney Channel and Disney XD, and this is going to be the last time I mention this show because it has ended. One of the things that's got me the most concerned is the fact that there just aren't that many more of the serialized animated shows on the Disney cable channels or on streaming anymore. Certainly material like Big City Greens isn't cutting it. So the fact that this series has ended has uh, got me really worried. Really, Amphibia on, uh, I believe it aired primarily 
primarily on Disney XD, but you could also catch episodes on Disney Channel. And once the season wraps up, it comes to Disney Plus is one of those perfect Disney animated adventure series. I won't say it's the perfect Disney animated adventure series because uh, it's got to keep company with the Owl House. Star versus the Forces of Evil, and of course, Gravity Falls. Amphibia tells the story of Anne Boomchoy, voiced by Brenda Song, a high schooler who finds herself in a world of walking, talking amphibians. After a misadventure with a magical music box in its three seasons, Anne matures from having to find her way in this new world to preventing an intergalactic invasion of Earth. The narrative through line is perfect, giving equal time to both humor and drama as the connections Anne makes in her earliest days on Amphibia come back into play in the dramatic climax. The finale is satisfying and bittersweet. It's really best to accept it as a three-season-long miniseries than as an open-ended series. Uh, You're going to find yourself heartbroken when it ends, a lot like you would have if you'd watch Gravity Falls. But you're you're happy that you ha- you got to live through this adventure. It wrapped up just a few weeks ago. I watched it with my daughters. It was wonderful family time. As I mentioned, uh, there's still one other series, The Owl House, that's got a final season to wrap up on Disney XD. But after that, there just is nothing like these shows on streaming or television. And uh, that's unfortunate. There was about a decade's worth of time when these shows really just ran the roost on Disney Channel. And the fact that they're, they've all ended or are ending is, is very disappointing. I just, it's going to be hard to find something to replace them with. But these series were all really great opportunities for some uh, family time. And if you haven't seen them yet, you can watch all episodes of Amphibia now, I believe, on Disney Plus. Okay. And David, how about you? Okay. So in addition to uh, Stranger Things, which I completely adored and I don't feel like had issues with filler. I've seen those complaints. I thought the timing on it was impeccable, but I also tried to catch up with South Park, the Streaming Wars episode that we had mentioned was coming. It's like a little mini movie. It's about 45 minutes. And I have to say that for the most part, I hadn't watched South Park in about 10 seasons. And I had no idea what was going on. Like uh, Stan Marsh is now Karen Marsh, and he's a pot farmer who is mad at the father of Tolkien, not Tolkien, Tolkien, (laughs) for starting his own pot farm after they had a business disagreement. Also, Cartman appears to live in a hot dog wiener-shaped restaurant and sings about his misery right in his mother's face. Um, I only made it about halfway through, and I may not go back again just because (laughs) I have lost way too much of the story here. It is very difficult keeping up with South Park if you haven't watched in a while. It it is almost impenetrable. But I do want to stress going back to Stranger Things that it's out here doing the Lord's work by reminding us that the brilliance of running up that hill remains untouched after decades. It's the best non-Def Leppard song of the 1980s. And I love that it's on top of the charts again. I just love it. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week.